Today on the Style That Binds Us podcast, I'm going to interview my daughter, Delia, about her career in fashion so far. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I wanted to know, you began your career at Versace. Versace. And then you moved on to Barney's, where you stayed for four years. This is all post... To the day. College, right. So... Eh, what right? What were the differences in working at those two places? Well, at Versace, the company was not based where I worked. On 53rd and 5th above the store, there were some offices there. And now they have moved their offices to Columbus Circle to make room for more space on the floors. And so it's kind of like a lot is out of your control. So a lot of times I would ask a question or something and they would say, oh, we're waiting on Italy to respond. Mm -hmm. So basically, Italy made all the decisions, the office in Milan, and we just kind of did what what was told. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a very general view. And I was an intern, so I didn't even really understand what was happening. But Mm -hmm. that is something that I definitely learned. So it is nice to work at the corporate headquarters where the decisions are made. Mm -hmm. Of course, not doing that also works, Mm -hmm. but it's good to have both sides. Mm -hmm. I think that Italians are very emotional and and all of that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes things would get quite heated, whereas at Barney's, no one, there was no raising voices in meetings. It was Mm -hmm. almost even worse because sometimes it was the most quiet things that are the very serious you know most intense right so i don't really know what's better the emotional things that people just say okay i'm gonna have to leave and take a walk after this meeting (laughs) or if it's just the silent killers i don't really i think whatever just different styles of working one thing i remember from when you were at versace was the difference in people from Miami were coming in to see the collection and the difference when the buyers were coming in from New York. Do you remember telling me about this? I know you talk about this a lot. I I think it was fascinated. It was just about one of the things about being a good buyer. Obviously, you have to think about the store you're buying for. So I was a wholesale intern, the men's wholesale intern. So I got to work with fabulous Brazilian male models and I would have to dress (laughs) them because apparently they couldn't dress themselves. (laughs) But... um, then the different stores throughout the country come in. And so out of the entire collection that Donatella created, each store comes in and creates their special edit. So the pieces that go in the Miami stores versus a Minnesota store Mm -hmm. is probably going to be very different based Mm -hmm. on the culture's different, the climate is different, Mm -hmm. all of that. I feel like they played different music. They had champagne for Miami. Maybe they they did. Coffee and wellness drinks or something for New York. I thought that was fascinating. Smart business. Yeah. So the majority of your career, though, was spent at Barney's in the buying office. And I was always wondering, as you moved up, you moved from, you started out with Apothecary, and then you moved to Ready to Wear, Emerging Designers, and then you moved to Jewelry. 
right? So what was that like when you move to a different area? You also move, like you have a different boss, direct boss, and you have to sort of learn the ropes all over again, don't you, how they do things in that department? or A little bit. I mean, every department is run differently. There's a different personality, and there's this is the way that we do things in this one. Yeah. But I think it's always good to have someone from another area come over. Just in life in general, you bring the pros and maybe you leave the cons or mm-hmm. you'll say, oh, this is how we did it in my previous position. Maybe maybe we could adopt that here. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, that's super efficient. We didn't think about that before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I certainly it was the same job, just a different mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting Beauty and ready to wear. When I got to jewelry, it was almost a combination of the two because beauty is very emotional. It's not like a tough, super corporate area. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. lipstick. It's fun. Mm -hmm. And then ready to wear is extremely buttoned up. There's it's very political as to who can talk to whom. And Mm -hmm. all of those positions are very carefully selected of who can be the buyer to speak to Armani or whoever Mm -hmm. it is that you're working with. And so jewelry, since a lot of the times I was working directly with the designer, Mm. that can be super emotional. So that Mm. kind of brings in that element. And then with ready to wear, for example, it's not like a replenishment business. Cosmetics is totally about replenishment Mm. a lot of times sometimes they're seasonal pieces or collections that you bring in but jewelry you have both the classic core pieces that you want to make sure that you have in stock but in order to refresh the case what was happening is the tourist client was on the decline so we had to really curate a local clientele and when that happens they come in a lot because they live nearby Mm. so you never ideally would want the case or rack to look exactly the same because they'll say, oh, I saw this before, nothing new, and they'll mm-hmm. move on. I see. But even if you just kind of move around the pieces in the case, then they see something they never saw before, oh, even though neat. it was there the whole time. Yeah. Or do you plan it like you have monthly deliveries, so you're kind of constantly refreshing the case. If something sells, do you reorder the exact same piece, or do you reorder it in a different colorway or add it in another colorway so you sell it in both gold and rose gold yeah. or do you say oh well we sold like three of these earrings maybe we should create a bracelet and kind of build out this collection because the customer's clearly responding to that so it was interesting that and like with cosmetics it was all about the clinics and the trainings and the personal appearances and so it was Mm -hmm. kind of bringing the elements of both ready to wear and cosmetics that I was able to apply to jewelry what about when you decided to make the big decision to leave Barney's and go out on your own and now you're working at a very small company what are some of the pros and then some of the challenges that you're facing Oh, Lord, of being an entrepreneur? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, you know, like you don't have a lot of the resources that you had before, but you also have a yeah. lot more say-so and control. Yeah. So we were at an event last night at the Metropolitan Museum of Art with, it's called the Atelier with Elena Cho, and if you've never been, I would highly recommend it. She has at least two talks a year. It really depends on, I feel like they probably have designer wish lists and then whenever mm-hmm. it makes sense for both of their schedules then one is kind of last minute scheduled Vera was talking about 
on, she was an editor at Vogue for 16 or 17 years. Then she was the design director at Ralph Lauren. I told you this on a podcast before, but what one of the things she talked about is when I was at Barney's, I had access to anything. Vogue, definitely much more so with parties and things. And when she started her own company, which came out of the fact that she got married when she was 40, And a lot of the wedding dresses out there, she had a hard time finding a dress for herself because she felt like, I guess they were all geared toward younger brides. And she's super fashion and whatever. So when she started her company, a lot of the doors that had been super open before were closed. So like the factories and everything. Yeah. So the question was, the way that I was even able to think about leaving Barney's, which was so crazy to even consider, was can Delia exist without the end of Barney? So Fashion Month was coming up. I thought, well, what if I reach out to some of these, to the brands and see can Delia from the style that binds us versus Delia on the buying team at Barney's, if we come, can we still go to the show's meetings and presentations? And so that is where it is a very interesting when you don't have a name, this very strong brand name behind you. Mm-hmm. Your life is completely different. And I've heard countless people talk about this. Big and small people you've heard of, people that you haven't. But it's always super interesting. And it will also be interesting as the style that binds us grows. We will always remember who valued us in the beginning and took a chance on us and let us come to the show or borrow a piece to wear or whatever it is and who doesn't respond. Yeah, that's so true. Well, I was thinking about as we went from London to Milan to Paris and these people that you had talked to on the phone for all these years and built relationships with but never gotten to meet, how excited they were to get to meet you too. And they were so welcoming to us and it shows that it pays to be kind to people in business as in life so that uh, you really do build lasting relationships. You never know where anybody's going to wind up anyway. Oh, Lord. This industry is so small. Mm -hmm. Literally, people pop up. If you were mean to somebody, they're going to go to a company where you want to (laughs) work and they're going to make sure that you do not get to work there. So it is extremely important. And it has been so fascinating ever since leaving Barney's. I can never get away from it because every single show we go to or wherever we are, we're running into somebody that I used to work with. And thankfully, of course, I was not perfect by any means, but somehow they remember me and maybe fondly or whatever it is. So that has really helped us Mm -hmm. in our business. But another thing, especially for designers, is... Of course, the materials and the, I mean, everything, like the health insurance, the everything mm. changes. Designers will say, especially if they have their own collection and then they work for a huge house, it's obviously a complete different design process with the fabrics they get to use and the research and the help and the mm. very skilled artisans. And so, like with us... At Barney's, they get to work with the top photographers Mm -hmm. and the top everyone because they have been able to establish that brand and maybe not now, but they could afford, they Mm -hmm. have a budget for marketing and Mm -hmm. really to create these creative things. And so in the beginning of a company, you have to be super scrappy. So Mm -hmm. I think, I feel like at Barney's, it was 
for some reason, still that traditional nine to five was very much asked of everyone to be in your desk by nine mm-hmm. and not to leave before six was very important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so obviously when you have a business, you don't have hours, but in order to have a business, I would think that you would be a disciplined person because, mm-hmm. I mean, you you set the tone for what you do during the day. So if mm-hmm. you're just kind of watching TV or hanging out, I mean, if you're not doing the work, nobody Nobody's else doing is. It. Right. So it's extremely important to still have a routine, still get dressed. I think one of the biggest differences is that. When I was at Barney's, I would plan out my outfits each week, and each week I wanted to wear different outfits. So I really Mm -hmm. used my closet more than I do now because I'm so focused on all the different things that I need to get done instead of spending time picking out the outfits, which I know I should do a better job of, but... That's definitely a difference. You don't see people every day. Mm -hmm. I went to one event, and it was kind of horrifying because they asked everybody to write down who are the four or five people that you see the most, that you spend the most time with. And I was like, oh, my God. I mean, I can't even name one. (laughs) But, like, when you have a job, of course, or if you have a husband and babies and all of that, those, those are the people that would fill... Well, you see a ton of people and you go a ton of places, but it's It's different than the same. It's different people. But also, I think if you are interested in becoming an entrepreneur, you have a work ethic in place for the most part. So I don't know about other people at Barney's, but I don't remember you ever going out to lunch. I mean, you ate at your desk and just kept working. Right. And it was very rare that you were there from nine to five. In my memory, that would have been on a slow day yeah right and one of the things is i didn't want to just be a buyer i wanted to be working Mm -hmm. in technology and be an editor and all these different things so as an entrepreneur you get to create your future and craft whatever your business is you can do whatever it is you want because on the buying team i would come up with all these ideas and then i would say mom i was thinking so out of the box And they asked me to do whatever task and brainstorm, and they didn't take even one of the suggestions. And what would you tell me? Well, you're an assistant. Yeah. (laughs) That was your first year. (laughs) But that was great that you had, you know, that you wanted to do that. And I think now people will ask us, especially for shows, are you with media? Are you with press? Or are you a buyer? And we were like, kind of both. Yeah. Because we have our shop sections and our affiliate network or whatever I'm not even sure the technical word for that (laughs) yeah that's more technology stuff but we definitely have our lookbooks and things like that so and I obviously am buying for clients all the time and then we also have we're content creators for those brands and everything so we have um, that part of the business as well yeah so it's kind of a new way of of thinking about things Yeah. Another difference is like you have sick days Mm -hmm. (laughs) and whereas if I'm sick, you know, and I even when I was working there, I would just kind of try and power through and (laughs) you have a steady paycheck, which Mm -hmm. now we no longer have. So that's been 
fascinating and will be so hilarious <laughs> in the future as we continue to grow the company. When you can look back. When we think. Then you survived. Oh, this is coming out and I don't know what's coming in, so I'm not really sure what's happening. <laughs> We're getting pretty low in the checking account, so that's just a You're hilarious doing a great job. Thing. You're doing a great job. I'm really, really, really proud of you. Oh, thanks, babes. So when you were on a buying team for a department store with multiple locations, how did you choose what to buy and what not to buy? And did you buy the pieces or did you? I never understood a lot of that. <laughs> what does on consignment mean, for example? On consignment, it's you don't purchase, you pay for it after it's sold. So it's on consignment. It's kind of like on loan. Like you choose what you want to feature in the store, but you don't buy it. So then you own it. With consignment, you have it there. You see how it works. So that's a lot of times like if it's a new vendor, then you want to test it with a trunk show. So then you see how does the customer react? What's selling? If you buy like a whole lot of something and it doesn't sell, now you own it. And you have the wrong things. And mm. it's going to be more trouble to RTV, return to vendor, or place a reorder, or switch out the merchandise. Whereas with consignment, it can kind of be this moving puzzle like we see after a month. What hasn't sold? What's selling really well? Well, maybe we should swap out some pieces. Mm. So the difference in consignment is just when you're paid. So it's cash flow. Mm-hmm. And how do you buy is... Well, during market, you go and you see the entire collection, and then you have to choose your edit for your store. And the best and the most successful stores are going to be the one, the ones that really understand who their customer is, and they're realistic about that. So specialty stores are almost winning because they'll come in and they'll say, they'll either be texting a client or they'll say, oh my God, this client is going to love this. They literally buy Mm. a lot of times specifically for a person Mm -hmm. and their clients. But if a store loses their direction or who they're trying to buy for, that's when, that's why this retail apocalypse is happening. So you do not buy what you like. You Mm -hmm. choose what the customer likes. So you have to have an understanding of who that person is. And I really, in my opinion, don't necessarily think that the big department stores are doing a good job of really teaching you of who is this customer profile? What Mm -hmm. is her life like? What colors does she need? What sizes? And the problem is you only have a limited budget. So you have an open to buy. You have a certain amount of dollars per month that the planners have chosen that you can spend per brand. And so that limits you in terms of size. Again, why this this old retail model doesn't really work. So Let's say, you know, of course, you're going to buy the two, four, six, because mm. that's going to be that those are the most popular sizes. If you buy a zero, eight, 10, 12, and if it if you sell, you bought one. So that one sells. OK, well, if you had had two or three, would all three of those sold? You don't know because you didn't invest in that. So it's always this guessing game of, oh, well, last year, the large didn't sell. So we're not going to we're not going to buy that again. So. This whole open to buy thing is a challenge because you only have a certain amount of money to spend. But with ready to wear, it's really a challenge because they cut 
a lot of times per what people order. So reorders and reacting Mm -hmm. in season is a challenge. So a lot of times you'll totally blow out of this silhouette or dress that you never thought would totally work. And then you want to place a reorder because you have to react quickly. And they say, oh, that won't be for six weeks or, oh, Mm -hmm. we can't get back into that fabric. So Mm -hmm. those are some of the pain points. That is a pain point. And it's confusing to me because... I always think I wish they would talk to someone like me that is in the closets with the women because there are plenty of people who are above a size six or an eight. And it's always frustrating when I am shopping in a store. But the interesting thing is most of the time the salespeople say, oh, that we sell out of those sizes right away. Right. You know, 10 is really like the most popular size, but they're not buying many 10s right. because they still believe it's two and four. Right. So... um that is difficult, though. It's more fabric and, and everything else. I, I understand that. So I don't know how they yeah. figure it out. That's the difference. And it's a disconnect between the store, the people who are customer facing, and the buyers, the people who are behind computers. So mm-hmm. the most successful stores are going to be the ones that those people, the store and the corporate team, are in 100% communication. Mm-hmm. If there's a disconnect and the store people feel like nobody listens to them and they Mm -hmm. have no power, then they're going to get deflated and the corporate team isn't going to purchase what they really need to be purchasing. So how do you choose what's going to be in the store? So I can only speak from my experience, but I obviously I talked about it before with like you pay attention to climate and culture and Mm -hmm. all of that. But now we're in a global society where people travel Mm -hmm. so somebody could live in australia or saudi arabia and they're visiting so you know it's you can't just say i'm gonna buy for miami whatever people who live in miami wear because people travel there still might want bathing suits in the winter yeah so a lot of times when you have multiple stores you purchase for your biggest store so we would always pretty much get everything for madison beverly hills and the web and then you kind of allocate from there and so What I tried to do as a buyer, it's important to have touch base calls with the stores. So you so it's not only you're buying for the company you work for, but you're buying for the store, each Mm -hmm. individual store. So you have to talk to the San Francisco store versus the Chicago store and understand, well, what are the people coming in asking for that you don't have? What is your what is your girl? What is her life like? What Mm -hmm. is the tourist like? What are you missing? So that then you can take that feedback. But the problem is you're always reactive. But if you truly understand Mm -hmm. who that person is in each city, what their life is like and there's probably three different profiles or whatever Mm -hmm. then you can purchase from that and it's hard i mean that's Mm -hmm. why retail is struggling it's hard to it's the marketing thing the right place the right time the right person the Mm -hmm. right size the right color every it's almost like making a baby like Mm -hmm. it just has to be this magical perfect storm Mm -hmm. in order for that thing for that person to be there yeah when they come in Mm mm-hmm that's fascinating. I think, like you said, it's it's really complicated in a bigger store to make sure. Because if the sales team, the people on the floor, aren't feeling included, then they're not even knowing how this designer wanted his pieces to go together or anything like that. They're not interested and excited about selling their brand. 
um, and then if designers come in and they don't understand why their jewelry is here instead of there, whatever. It's very complicated. But then the other way people are doing it now, which is interesting, too, is there is no merchandise, right? No inventory. No inventory. Is it kind of like where you would say, I want this in a size four, and then they have to make it after that? Well, I almost feel like it works for males better because mm-hmm. they can just, once you know their size, mm-hmm. they just reorder. Okay, I'll have that in khaki and mm-hmm. navy and black, mm-hmm. and they know the style and whatever. I mean, every model is different. There's some people that have on-demand, and they want something is ordered on the website. It is made, and within two weeks, and the customer understands that, that it's made. So everybody's trying to solve this inventory issue. So do you place a huge order and... Try and have your crystal ball to Mm -hmm. figure out what is actually going to sell. Mm -hmm. Or do you only make what is ordered? You know, so Mm -hmm. people are playing around with all sorts of different things. It's crazy times in the world. Everybody's trying to figure everything out. Did you totally understand my life and like what my job was like? Or did you have any well, this questions? Well, this has been interesting to learn about a lot of that, too, because that is always a question about how and how do the designers get paid? And, you know, there's just so much. I think you were protective of your designers and you were also loyal to Barney's trying to make those work together and I know that was a complicated process. I'm sure some designers didn't understand why some things weren't selling or you know you had to have difficult conversations and everything I guess but and everyone thinks it's very glamorous. What were a couple of fun experiences that you got to take part in because you were there? Well my first week at Barney's NARS was having their 20th anniversary. I guess maybe I heard some of the team members talking or something. That was really exciting. We went as a team and we got drinks before and then got to go to the NARS 20th anniversary party. So that was, I had just moved to New York and that was kind of my first fashion party. And, you know, I was just bright eyed and bushy tailed, excited, Mm -hmm. getting to go to the shows, going to the Philip Lim show and all the different shows. It's very different going with mom versus the team because with the team, of course, you want to be super serious and focus. And it's not like you're taking a bunch of pictures for social media. Mm-hmm. When you work somewhere, you are the brand, Delia from Barney's and what that brand means and everything like that book that we gave you for Christmas It was for an anniversary or something, but it was about Barney's and it was Mm -hmm. about all the different quotes and all the different designers that they brought to America or Mm -hmm. just made made their career. That is the heritage and the brand that you live and breathe and work for. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it is all very interesting. Yes, it is. It sure was a great start. What are your favorite things about what we do now? I feel like I have more control over everything, and I feel like we can react quickly. One of the things about working in corporate culture, it depends on where you work. Mm -hmm. But when you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. it can be hilarious even just getting around the city. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you make a decision when it has to go through 10 people's approval? Mm -hmm. So with us, we can be super quick, super nimble. I feel Mm -hmm. like we come up with our plan. We strategize. We have creative. We have business meetings, whatever. And then we implement everything. And then we can say, evaluate. How did that go? How do we want to proceed? Mm -hmm. And all of that. And since we're mother and daughter, you 
know, you just say, okay, we're having a business meeting now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not chatting about whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. so I do feel like, well, as an entrepreneur, as much control as you can possibly have. Right. With Barney's, I was really able to plan out my entire year. I loved getting my calendar and my vacation days and mapping that out, planning out my days throughout the year. And I knew exactly the entire year where Mm -hmm. I would be when. And Mm -hmm. now as an entrepreneur, the con of working in corporate is that if you're invited to an event or something, you can't go unless you have a doctor's appointment Mm -hmm. or you are sick that you have to take a sick day or you have to Mm -hmm. take a vacation day. So as an entrepreneur, I can be more flexible. Like, for example, if I wanted to network and reach out to someone for a coffee, in the past I had to say, oh, sorry, I can only do nights and weekends. And Mm -hmm. if they have kids, forget it. I would never get that that meeting but mm-hmm. now I can say I'll come to you mm-hmm. I can meet whenever so my favorite thing is being able to feel that I can create the career I want to have figure out some sort of future for myself that is helpful to women and people and you can see the impact I feel like I definitely could. I mean, at Versace and Barney's, like when I would go to the Saks store and see mm-hmm. the Versace collection or with Barney's, when you see the the collection that you bought and you see it selling and, oh, it's had an 80% sell through and whatever. If it's successful, especially like if your instinct, you really mm-hmm. put yourself out on the line for a brand and it's really working, mm-hmm. that is really exciting. But as an entrepreneur, especially in our business, you can immediately see the impact. You put something on social media, people respond, they DM you or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can really see that very quickly. Whereas in a corporate culture, sometimes it takes more time or you don't necessarily, like you don't hear the people on on the sales floor, the customers walking through, getting their feedback. So those are some of the things. Really feeling like I can make an impact. So I'm not like one out of a whole huge sure. corporate team. I am one of two people and we can say we want to change the world in mm-hmm. X number of ways. Whereas if I came to the table in a corporate meeting with a mm-hmm. hundred different really exciting ideas, they would come up with reasons why that would not ever work or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. not the way that we want to do it. By the time it went through all the channels, it would be a whole different thing anyway, probably. Well, I think it's all very, very fascinating. I really do. And I'm excited about what we're doing. And I love the fact that we are nimble because we are able to take advantage of things when people say, would you please do this? Could you come here? Would you hold this event? Would you partner with us to do this and that? We don't have to get permission from anybody. We also can reschedule things fairly quickly. And or you call me, I need you to be in New York for this important meeting or whatever, and we can make it happen. So it's kind of exciting to not know exactly where we'll be and what we'll be doing next month. We're pretty sure. Always have a suitcase packed, just in case. (laughs) And always have a party dress, says Amanda Brooks, who is briefly the fashion director of Barney's. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. I hope that you found this episode interesting and helpful. We can certainly continue talking about my career and BB's career and 
Let us know if you have any questions or if you want me to go more into how I got into the industry or what portions you want me to talk about more. We haven't even talked about my brand consulting that now that I've left Barney's, I'm Mm -hmm. working with emerging brands to help them navigate the retail landscape. So that's a whole nother chapter. Yes, it is. And boy, is it a crazy landscape right now. I think we should talk about that for sure on another podcast because that's really fascinating. So email the style that binds us at gmail.com with any questions. That sounds great. If you like what you heard, tell a friend about our show, subscribe to our podcast, and also scroll to the bottom and give a rating and or a review. Those are the best ways for other people to find out about our podcast. See you next time. Bye.